Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vettel, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome back to the Level Up Latina podcast. This is episode 118. And it comes at a time where so much is going on that it feels like it's a war against women, war on women. And we decided to talk about this just because what is happening in the U.S. of A and what is happening just recently happened in the state of Texas with the anti-abortion law that just passed. We wanted to kind of talk about how, in general, being a woman in in this what we call our free world and where we live is still very challenging and living your personal life and it also comes as a challenge when you're making a career and developing yourself as a professional and to those that are looking for upper management how the challenges that you face and the sexism and all the isms that come into place and one of them also being ageism it's really hard for women to be older and working and be being those professionals the leaders that they are and things along with their sex and their age be held against them so before we get into that delicious topic let's check in with my dear ceci and irene como se encuentran mujeres ahora bien really good why are you so serious over there i, know. I don't know i don't know me dio nervios me dio nervios por, por la conversación que estamos is the man listening in is the man exactly the man yeah. We're good. We're good. Ready to talk about this juicy topic and sad for the world. Actually, quite yeah. sad for the world. You brought up sad. Yeah. It's really, really disheartening. I know that we had decided we had another topic to discuss for today for our podcast. However, we know us three being women, being Latina women, and the expectations that come from a Latina woman and, and our culture, you know, to be moms and to have children and to grow our families. And some of us don't want that. Growing up as Latinas, we grow up Catholic. We grow up with uh, not really talking about sex, not really talking about, you know, that your body is your choice. And it seems that the choice is made for us way in advance because of our belief system and how culturally we're just brought up. And being a first generation daughter of immigrants is always a challenge because we're growing up by culturally where one culture really says, be who you are, be individual, while our other cultures like, somos una comunidad, we are a village, we are a family, and you contribute to this family. You are a big part of this family. So I could see, to me, it was a very touchy thing, right? And um, I'm glad that I, I, I am moderating this podcast. For me, growing up, I went to Catholic school my entire life. I had very Catholic parents, but then outside of that, my parents were very, I always, I described them before as liberal Catholics and liberal Mexican parents, where there was some strictness on things. And because we were Catholic, there were some things that were just like, no, eso no se hace, no, eso de, de eso no se habla. Like, you don't do this and we don't talk about that. And um, which made my rebellious self really have some tough times because I like to challenge things. I like to question things. And I did things that if I probably would have known what consequences would have come from them and I would have known how to prevent that, I would have been, you know, leaps ahead. But I had I had to learn by trial and error. And I was in a position where, you know, I happened to have a boyfriend in high school I was in love. It was, you know, one of those things. And I decided, like, you know what? This is the guy I want to share my first experience with, you know, my sexual experience with. And (laughs) 
And somehow, not somehow, obviously I know how, sex, right? I end up pregnant, and this is the summer before I'm, you know, I, I'm ready to go off to Santa Barbara and start my college life. And, you know, this guy was a great guy, but it at the time it was like, you just don't know. We really don't know. And um, my boo went to jail. I end up pregnant. I don't know what to do. And I had to deal with all of that by myself. Thankfully, I was working in high school. You know, I had my little weekend and evening jobs. After I played basketball, I would do the closing shift at McDonald's. I would work, you know, I would work on the weekends. And I, I had my little own money set aside. So I didn't feel like I was tight on money and I had to ask for help in a sense. But I just went for it by myself. So I found some place that thankfully was like, oh, you're not 18 yet. Your parents have to sign. And I was like, well, there's no way my parents are going to sign for this. So thankfully, it was still something that I was able to do. Um, and this is why it gets so kind of like um, emotional when we have women on our podcast that come on here and they talk about having had their kids in, you know, before college or during college. Because for me, I didn't think that was an option. And it never even crossed my mind that it was an option because I felt that the way I was raised, it was such a, I was going to be a disappointment. And my parents were going to be disappointed. They were going to be, I was going to be an embarrassment. And there goes this girl that had all these hopes and dreams. She wasn't able to do it because she had a kid. And the reason I say this is because also my parents were always very pro-family. You know, my sister got married young. She was 18 when she graduated high school. She didn't go to college. You know, graduated high school, started her family. My parents were always very like, yes, way to go, daughter. You did it. And that was kind of what always was implemented on me. Like the same thing, encouraged. Like, you know, casate pobremente, pero casate. You know, um, you know, there's their family is everything, and having kids is beautiful, and blah 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 blah. And to me, that's not what I wanted. And it wasn't because of what I saw my sister and or anything she did. I was like, that's beautiful if that's what she wanted. But it wasn't for me. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to do something that none of none other woman in my family had done. And at that point is when I made that decision. I was like, I need to find, I have no, there's like, there's no way I'm having this baby. There's no way I'm having this baby. I ha will not have the support of my family. I don't even have my boyfriend here. He's in jail. Like I'm on my, on my own. I'm on my own. And I knew that I wasn't ready for that. I knew that I really wanted to be in college. And I knew that I wasn't going to have the support that I needed there to be able to continue to go to school and all these things. And I knew I didn't have the discipline. I didn't have the discipline and, and all of this to be able to do that. Like all the women that we've met before, you know, that we've met in our college, throughout our college life and even now when they shared their stories. So for me, it's very personal. Um, I'm very pro-choice. I used to be, I used to not be pro-choice, obviously, until I found myself in that situation. And we live and we learn, right? I don't wish it on anybody to be in a position that they can't turn to anyone because yes, a child's life is beautiful and being pregnant is beautiful, but it's when you're ready for it and it's the right time for you. And at that time, it was not for me. And I'm very glad that I had a choice and I had options and that I was able to do that. So this is a very hard to share story because not many people that I talk to do I share that with. And you shared it so beautifully. Yeah. And you're so yeah. honest. And I'm, you're yeah. so brave. Thank you. 
but Thank it's something you. that we need to talk about, especially yeah, in our culture. Yeah, we do. I want to talk about yeah. mine too. Then I'm going to share my story because you've been so bold and so brave, and you went there, and so I want to go there too. If I have everybody's permission to be honest too, because I know we yeah. worry about what people think, but it's there. We're going to say it. Mm. You know, we yeah. all. Have- the right to share. Like I ha- I was in the exact same situation. I was older than Vettel and it almost felt like a bit of an opposite situation. So I'm probably going to sound like so selfish. Someone's going to listen to this and say, especially if you're pro-life, how selfish this person was. And I'll take it. I'll take that judgment. But I was with a long-term partner. I was finishing college and this was upon me. And my long-term partner immediately went to like, yeah, but we're not doing this right which said a lot to me about who my partner was because it was not even a question in his mind and not to blame this person, not at all. But I'm like, okay, that's where he is. He's not ready and this is a wonderful option in his mind. But it really solidified for me that, well, I need to definitely have this happen when both of us want this to happen, whoever that person may be. So going into my, I guess, fifth year of school or fourth year of school, maybe of college, I looked it up in the yellow pages. I literally looked up, I think, the word abortion in the yellow pages. It's even hard to say that word because I don't know if my kids are eavesdropping, but it is what it is. We're being honest. They could play this episode very well. But I look up the word. I call. I have my little credit card because I had a credit card through college. I put it on my credit card and my man's like, I'll give you half and I'll take you. And that's that. And it's such a weird out-of-body experience because at that age, like like Vettel says, you're first-gen kid, raised Catholic. You know, I would have been a disappointment to my mom. She would have, I was a disappointment anyway to my mom in a lot of ways at that age because like Vero, I was the youngest in my family. So I was often seen as a rebel who didn't just stick to the pattern of what was expected from my life. So little did my poor mom know that I was out there getting this ride at this clinic, doing this thing. And I felt really sad. I felt a lot of shame. I felt bad, but I felt my gut that it was right for me. It propelled me to then not have that relationship. But like six months later, I had moved on from that relationship. And this was a long-term relationship, a person that I did very deeply love and care about. But that moment in my life, I think about it a lot now, especially because of everything going on. Like that moment in my life changed my life for the better. So selfish or not, careless of me or not, it transformed my whole life. It transformed my whole life. And yes, children are beautiful. And I was so blessed to be able to have three children that I just adore and I love. And I got knocked up again because Diego and I weren't married when I got pregnant. You know, we just were magically in love. We were planning a wedding. And three years later, a new relationship, a new situation, a different life, we were ready for this baby. And it wasn't a thought. And we were excited and our families were excited. And I was still a disappointment in my mom. But it was so wonderful for me to have had a choice to be able to execute on that choice, to feel that I had the right to do that, that it's my body, my life, my future. And I have a daughter right now. And I want to give her that choice to decide for her future what she sees for herself. And so whatever the judgment may be, Catholic or not, religious or not, from Texas or not, I stand by the side that you don't know until you're there, like Vittle said. And you don't know how something can actually be one of the best things that ever happened to you. So it was sad and it was hard, but my life would have been on a completely different trajectory had I not made that decision and felt crummy and lived through the shame and the guilt in that very moment to the point that like, I don't think I've ever shared this with someone until like maybe other than my husband who knew this about me, maybe like four or five years ago with like co-workers because one was being very open about her situation and and same thing how it was a life-changing moment to be able to share it is to really help people to maybe see it from a different lens or to not feel so alone if you've been there uh, and to let go of guilt shame or feelings of having to hide this because little do you know more of us are in that really rough position and some of us 
for all the wrong reasons and they bring up rape and incest and all these things and imagine taking the opportunity from them Veto and I are a very different situation. We wanted to be in this situation. We knew what we were getting ourselves into. We got ourselves out of it by whatever means. But if you later have a daughter who's been raped, think about that decision. Think about that choice. So you might call it selfish, but I think choice is absolutely okay and it makes sense. And Diosito que me, que me esté viendo ahorita. I'm still Catholic, but I'm a very liberal Catholic, como dijo Vero. So that's my story. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to share it too. Thanks and, for sharing. Um, thank you, Vero, for opening the door and letting us be super duper transparent today. I want to say thank you to both of you for sharing that story, for being vulnerable. And I know it's hard. And I know, I know, I know even as like young women, you two going through that, how hard it must have been. Uh, I mean, I only found out about this and we're like, we're homies, like we're homies. I only found out about this from both of you guys, I think within like the last two years, because I didn't know. Um, and I, and I could only imagine that, you know, why it was because, um, you probably felt like you were going to be judged. No sabían cómo íbamos las demás muchachas a responder. Um, but but I, I will say that, you know, we were all raised pretty similar. Tenemos pretty similar valores. Yo también me considero una católica liberal. Uh, I feel like, yeah, when I was younger, maybe I was more like pro-life. And I would always say, I remember I would always say like pro-life, but with the exception of rape. Ahora ya mayor, ya estoy más de, de este lado pro-choice. Pro um, por lo mismo, because of all these experiences and what I've heard from my friends. And, you know, no, it wasn't meant to be. And it was in, I could only imagine how challenging it would have been if you wouldn't have had that choice. I'm proud of you, amigas, las dos. Thank you for sharing that. And um, las quiero. I know, I know. That's so sweet of you to say, Ceci. Like, it's funny because it takes you back to that moment in your life. And mm -hmm. you girls are my best friends. And of course, I'm, I, I felt that I couldn't share this. I felt that it had to be this dark, dirty secret. Like, how sad. Like, how sad that this decision weighs heavily on you. It's not for people who look and think like, oh, people should just not be having sex. There's all kinds of layers to this thing. And the truth is, you get there how you get there. And there's all these emotions. And people are, are not out there just using this as a careless tool. This is a lot of stuff that stays with you. Yeah, we couldn't even turn to our friends in some cases or talk about what you're going through. Vettel very casually says, well, you know, my boo is in jail. That's a big deal. Whatever the situation may have been, single motherhood was not in the cards for her. That's just not okay. Like that child, they say statistically, communities are better off if abortion is okay. You're better off. If not, you really are going to perpetuate, not that you would have been poor, Vettel, but it could happen because what? You didn't have your partner there. It's a single income household, right? Maybe you don't go to college because of it. Like a community is actually better off. Families and lives are completely changed by this one act, by the ability to be able to decide the course of your life and decide whether I want to be a single mom or not, or I want to be a mom at freaking 17. Metal, like 17 years old to have that no. choice and in these communities where you know teen motherhood is prevalent it's so hard to break the cycle if we pile on top of that no access to services that women deserve the war on them to be able to pick for them the system loves it you want to keep people down and these are the same people you exploit these are the single moms that are holding down three jobs they didn't get to go to college i mean don't even get me started on what it means to society yes. to want to hold us back and so I think of Vettel's story and I think like 
Thank God you were so wise. Like you were wise beyond your years. At 17, I probably would have been like, I guess I gotta do this. <laughs> they said my mama gotta sign this paper. She ain't signing this paper. And you think I let her down when I was 24, 25, whenever I got pregnant? I really was about to let her down. She would never let me live that down. But anyway, I'm really proud of you, Vettel. And we have to keep in mind that like, it changes lives. Look at Vettel's life today, your life today, who you are, where you've gotten to. I just believe that it wouldn't have been possible had you made the other choice. I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I don't think I, it wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have been here. It's your life just changes completely and it wouldn't be what it is today. That's for sure. But you know, there's a conversation, I've had a conversation with my brother before where we're like, oh, we'll have to be talking like the older you get, the more Republican you turn. And I think the more Republican you get when it comes to like money issues and things like this, but not when it comes to other people's bodies or making decisions over women's bodies. Like, you know, you look at the picture of the people that signed off on these agreements uh, on this law or, and, and this started, you know, with George Bush, you know, um, and this is a constant thing, right? It's a constant thing of like, how do we hold these people back? How do we hold them down? And if you don't feel like you want to put a mask mandate, but you want to put, you know, rules and, and laws onto a woman's body, that's a whole different thing, you know, like, then let that be my choice as well. Um, yeah, but when it comes to like your political views, I don't think uh, you change and you become maybe conservative as you get older because you're learning new things or you're seeing world, the world in different ways. But when it comes to this, I don't think there's a way to get conservative about it. I feel that this really, we have no right to make decisions over anybody's body. You know, like, hey, man, you're going to have, you, you, well, sorry, you're not circumcised. Well, guess what? You're going to have to. And uh, we want everyone circumcised and you need to get your your tubes tied when by the time you're 27, because if you didn't have kids with the woman you got married with and whatever, you know, but there's so many things that is always like very female or woman oriented and you know rape well what was a woman doing um to cause you know what was she what, wearing you know yeah oh, what was she doing terrible. what was she wearing oh why is your boss such a bitch oh well, she's just so aggressive like that and, and and if it's a if it's a man it's like wow my respects to him he just has a way of like, getting his point across and being so assertive so you get aggressive as a woman and assertive as a man and and it's a constant battle like or um, bitch as a woman powerful as a man Oh my god. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like I am powerful too. Owning this assertive, confident power is good too. Deciding for myself because it's my body, homie, is good too. Like that if men had to be circumcised, imagine the uproar. Imagine <laughs> the uproar if this is the other way. Imagine it. I mean they can't even yeah. get a cold. They can't even get a cold without, yeah. you know, women are always the one. I mean, talk about I was going to talk about sexism and I'm being sexist, but I really do think we are like these strong rocks. We don't get enough credit for really being the rock that holds it down. Men do, too. You both do. But man, we take on the burden of actually having the kids, managing the kids a lot. Women take on that burden a lot. Working. It ain't the 50s and the 40s. We're not at home with our feet up necessarily, the majority of the community. Everybody yeah. is holding down two jobs, including everybody here in this conversation. We're holding down multiple jobs. It's so different for us, and yet we are strong and powering through. But if this were happening to men, I think war would break out, truly, literally, if this were happening to men. And we were restricting their rights, white men especially. Awesome. And yeah, you said it. And then we're going to continue with that. So in this case, we've, we've been talking also about just the war on women and like liter leadership, right? We've been talking about how leadership and we're kind of in this position where we're redef redefining what leadership looks like. Because for many years, it had been white men in those, you know, in suits, ties, and they've been, they were the ones running the world. 
And with more women entering the workforce and with Latinas later in, you know, coming in, black women, which is women of color. I mean, black women have paved the way in so many different ways. Um, and Latinas are, are coming, you know, are also coming in and entering that workforce and with, you know, ready to kick ass because they're like, you know what? We can do this. We do. We we deserve to be here in the sense of like we've earned it. We've done the work. And guess what? I can do this work with heels or without whatever I want to do. I can do it in this process of redefining leadership. Like, what do you think we needs to go into this, you know, whole discussion? Like, obviously, leadership looks different across, you know, different industries. But what do you think? What do you guys think it's we need to what are the baby steps to get there? Like, hey, or what conversation is to be happening in the workplace in order to kind of discuss and allow for this change to happen i I always go back to like being authentic and it's funny because i hadn't even thought about it but in my current role my nonprofit, uh the majority of the lawyers there somos mujeres o sea and it's funny how like las cosas se dieron and i landed there and i run my own little department and i think i you know and I'm just being authentic. I'm not being a bitch. You know, I ask my executive director questions all the time. I have, um, I have like a weekly check-in with her, um, and I make suggestions sin miedo. And that's, and you know, I'll say like, you know, how about if you do it this way, or um, how about we get help with that? And so I think for me, um before before right in my in private practice and that's because of the firm i was with in um even though i felt like you know my boss had my back and whatnot it was like older white men so i never felt i could be fully authentic i mean i was i i i tried to use my same humor segundo humor but and and bring my culture and and just talk about things that i was going through as first gen but they didn't get it you know so I wasn't fully, fully transparent, and then now I, now I am, and not that I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but I just feel like that has helped me kind of grow as a leader in my organization, and then even even um, within the community because in, with my role I have to like reach out to other to other nonprofits and make connections with other nonprofits. Or either part, even partner up with other attorneys from other nonprofits in areas of um, of law where I don't really understand. So I think I'm just like you know reaching out and okay, hey you know I'm so and so and this is what I'm doing and just putting myself out there. And I think we need to see more of that. And yeah, just just you know be authentic. And what's really helped, I think, at least I feel with us is just having our squad, like the guilt free squad, and putting that out there and encouraging women to step up and speak up and porque uno sola y no sabiendo you know navegando la carrera sola pues no saben i feel like cuando te agarras de la mano you know not not literally pero cuando te agarras con con tu squad like it is más fuerte and i feel like that has really been the the culture for us this past year just having the guilt-free squad and empowering each other empowering women and just as a whole so i think just kind of aligning yourself with like-minded women latinas in this case beautiful what i'm hearing from ceci though is kind of like maybe you don't find that support or the way to really um, establish your leadership 
within you know the your your company or your organization but make sure you do have a support system that allows you to be like hey what do you guys think about this and kind of like bounce off ideas to where like hey yeah well leadership doesn't look the same everywhere and yes you can establish yourself by doing this and i feel that sometimes we we hold ourselves back because we're not too sure and having at least someone or some a, a group of women that are like you can do it you have been able to do it and th- th- this is how you maybe i've been through i've been through it let me tell you how it worked out for me and and how i addressed it so i feel that in this case i see you're saying it it, it becomes a little bit easier to just put yourself in the position really like um ask questions go for it and then have a support system that really reinforces what you're trying to do and establishing yourself as that leader exactly Exactly. I love it. I thought it was one of the most powerful things said that you have found the community that you need to be able to say what Veto is telling us to do, which is important and will help us, which is go out there and pave the way, you know, make your voice be heard, be at the table, change things. But it is scary to feel like you're on your own. So you're absolutely right. The most powerful thing said today is like, find your squad, join the guilt-free squad, perhaps, but find your squad. Because I know in our chats, in our guilt-free squad chats, I mean, it goes down. It's us empowering each other, us making changes, us transforming together. And part of that is venting about some of the things in the system that we need to change and be more courageous on our own and controlling what we can control. I know for me, when I was thinking about this topic and sexism in the workplace, I was thinking about the men that I've worked with and not to be man-haters on this show. And it is about the war on women. It's not about being man-haters. It's incredible men in the world. There's incredible white men in the world. It's not about that. We're not trying to generalize everybody. But I can think of times where I didn't realize I was going through this until I looked back on it, where I've worked with really sexist men. I've worked with incredibly sexist men that made me feel uncomfortable. And I look back on it and I'm like, wow, that person made all of us feel uncomfortable, whether it was uncomfortable comments, uncomfortable hugs. And because of their age, a lot of times it's like that, oh, you know, they're just older. It's like a different generation. It's like, I still deserve respect just because there's years between us. You know, that's one example. I've worked with people next to me, you know, that are coworkers that I respect in one facet of their life, but they were actually quite sexist. I had a gentleman who would always like compliment us how beautiful we looked or how beautiful our outfit was before he needed something from us. And then after a while, we called him on that BS. Like, wait a minute, what do you need? And stop doing that. Like, I look cute every day. First of all, you shouldn't be telling me how cute I look. It's a little bit of an HRE issue right there. So we started to kind of call that out. And it takes that, like your village, to be able to see something sometimes and then to have the courage to call it out. But I know that I didn't speak up soon enough. So if I would give a tip that's personal with this topic is, you know it, and maybe you don't, and for me, some of the stuff I didn't know in hindsight, but some of the stuff I could see right then and there, if you have a doubt, ask a good friend, ask someone at work, like you shouldn't also be subjecting yourself to men that are sexist. And that could be them just constantly interrupting you, correcting you. How I saw sexism show up a lot in my workforce over the last like 15 years, men would get away with doing less and being paid more. That sounds victim-y. But when I knew enough and I was in the leadership role and I was actually paying salaries, I saw how, wow, okay, the men who have come through these doors actually did significantly less and were paid more. And I remember once having a boss that caught that and I really respected that. And I saw that she kind of leveled the playing field and asked me questions about that. Like, wait a minute, why does he make this and and then does this? And then this person does like three jobs and makes this. And whoever before had put those things in motion, it was sad to see it happening. It was sad to see the pay gap happening like right before our eyes. In an industry, I'm in a nonprofit world where women 
oftentimes can be like the majority like like Ceci just said I'm at a law firm and the women are kind of the majority and it's great but yeah secretly who's getting paid the most even still in this industry like we have to watch this stuff we have to call to the table of people making these decisions and I like that the culture around where I am now and fast forward to different positions it's like we have to watch that really closely because a person is a person this person should not be making more money just because they're a man and especially still if they're working less like i don't get the logic there but it's happening it's very real and it should piss you off and you should speak up for sure irene i think um maybe people many people are afraid to talk about their salaries and some some companies put that in place like oh you're not allowed to discuss your salary and we're waking up we're waking up in the sense of like "Mm, this wage gap you know now let's talk about it i feel more people are aware the information is now at your fingertips it's so much easier to access how much people make in certain roles and you can go and negotiate i mean we've had you know i think my last couple of clients have had to negotiate their salaries and i'm like well let's get some numbers let's get let's do some research let's check out you know these positions what they're going for Ask around if you have that relationship with any of your coworkers or someone that you know that's currently in that role. Let's get some info. And it really helps because then you feel comfortable asking for what you know your your worth is or your value is that you bring at work. Um, and it helps when we tell our, our you know when we tell people like list your accomplishments, li- list what you're bringing to the table, L- document all of that information, not just resume stuff. Like there's things that don't go on your resume, and there's things that you do that you know are just that add to what you contribute, your contribution to the workplace. List it all, and when you, you so you can confidently be like, look, this is what I am currently doing outside of my my exact you know my direct uh, responsibilities. And I, you know, if, if we can have this conversation, I really would talk, would like to talk about my, my salary and negotiate. And we need to have those conversations and be more outspoken. And, and in the case that they're like, well, it depends on the work culture too, right? Your culture in, in the workplace where they're like, oh, well, we can discuss that in six months when we're reviewing your work, when we're doing your work review. And there's work cultures that we are prone to and we know and we're aware of. So be ready for when that conversation is about to happen. So you're not like, well, now I'm going to have to wait another six months to discuss this. Just be prepared constantly. I think what I've gathered also from what you said, Irene, is that many times we're going to be paving the way and creating our own opportunities of growth. You know, with with Ceci working at this organization, this nonprofit, it's a lot of women. But you know what? Yes, it's probably that's where they have to go to be able to create this opportunity. I feel that in so many other aspects, we've met so many wonderful women that are really paving the way, that are really just saying like, you know what, well, if I'm not going to get it here, I need to get it somewhere. And I'm going to create that opportunity and pave the way and and create the opportunity for myself and for others. So it's it's like so, it sounds like so much work, but it's like something that we kind of have to do and we're left with no other option. So a pesar de que somos chingonas, we're like, well, you know, we have to find solutions to all these things. And I could, I could see how that could become such a heavy burden on us because we have so many responsibilities already that when it comes to like, well, I guess now I have to create my own opportunity. I might as well go for it. And that we're so willing to do that even in that place. But before you do that, make sure that you are pushing the envelope. Make sure that you are questioning what's happening. Be the outspoken person. Um, know when to be quiet, right? Know when, you know, save your save your words so that you can gather the information correctly and then present your case and the facts because that's what we need when we're really having these conversations and making changes in our workplace, at home. And, 
even with women now, like if you're home, the burnout of all the added, you know, added responsibilities from being home with children or just being home in general, it takes, it's a lot of work. If you're nav- if you're being the homemaker along with, you know, being the CEO or, you know, having to be present at your, you know, at two jobs doing the two job thing, make sure that you discuss with your partner, Hey, I'm going to need help with this. Can you please pitch in, in the sense of like Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, can you do dinner? Can you do breakfast or something like that where it doesn't fall all on the female? And I feel that for many times, We've been so quiet for so many years. We've been just quiet and just done it. Well, it's my role. It's my job. It's my job. Now, speak up. Say something like, hey, I know I've taken this on, but it's a little much for me right now. I need your help. Especially when, it, you know, and, and this is at home with our partners or this is at work with our, you know, our management or the team that we work with. Or even if you're the boss, like be open to having these discussions with your team. Like, hey, how's everyone doing? Are we doing, doing Okay. Well, look, Bob, you're not doing enough. Or look, Sandra, you're not doing enough. Like, let's make sure that we even out the, you know, the playing field here. And it's it's tough times, so we're going to need to work as a team and do this. So this is like the perfect opportunity for that. <laughs> I love it all that you said with your spouse at home. Because sometimes it's sexism we're dealing with because of the cultural implications that we're Latinas and we're still breaking away from machismo and a history of that where one generation before us, like, women were practically the man's servant in some situations. And that's normal. That is absolutely normal. You know, my mom would not sit at the table. She had her five boys, four boys, four boys, it's four boys, two girls, four boys and her husband. And so the five of them had to eat first and they needed warm tortillas and she ironed for them. And if she had to iron their underwear, she would. And she was that kind of woman, you know, so uh, not conscious or conscious, like us women were raised to sort of take care of your man. But I'm so proud of my sister and I that somehow and after seeing how hard it was for my mom to try to even keep this man happy who was a little deranged like it no there weren't patterns that we wanted to repeat we didn't want to repeat the sexist patterns we didn't want our daughters to try to repeat those patterns and my mom did the best she could i don't blame her by any means her mom was also in a different marriage altogether so she wanted to serve her man great that was a hundred years ago a hundred years ago my grandma had to worry about this a hundred years forward like if the sexism's at home you're gonna burn out at work you're doing way too much. You don't have the help you need at home. And you have to reflect on that. And that's a hard conversation because maybe it's not your boss. Maybe it's not your coworker. Maybe it's your suegra and her expectations and your husband's expectations because you are in a cultural war that tugs at you and actually is perpetuating even more sexism. And that takes the village. It takes all of us talking and discussing to have the courage to, it doesn't make you a bad mom. It doesn't make you a bad wife if you need help. If you and your spouse should do 50-50 or 100-100. Some people try to say it's not 50-50. Like he does 100% of the things I do and I do 100% of those things. We just help each other out. I don't just change the diapers because that's the female's job. Or I don't just cook the meals because that's the female's job. While that may seem like it's not going on anymore, mm, I know. I know our people. I know our culture. Throwing Catholicism, how this started. Like, oh, no, girl. women have an imbalance and the sexism is still there. Mm-hmm. And if... Your little boo, your little husband was raised by somebody that's, you know, kind of machista, kind of has their views. I have it in my own family. I see it in my my own family all the time. And I feel for the women that I feel it's the huge disimbalance. I see a double standard a lot. I see it with drinking in our community where the men get to drink way more than the women. Not that it's not a get to, but you see it a lot. You see the men that are like, oh, here's my wife. She'll take care of the kids. I can get a little tipsy every day, every weekend. And the woman is the responsible one. And I think, wow, how, how sexist is that? 
Because alcoholism is not seen in the same light. We have wine in our little tumblers. We get judged. This venti, trenti mm-hmm. right here, this is all wine. That's it. I told you, Sethi. <laughs> we got to be careful yeah. of that because I do think our families will hold us back. And it does hurt our careers. We have to watch for it in, at home and at work. Yeah, no, I think you guys are right. I think sharing responsibilities at home. I, I mean, we we do it. We, I write down the little menu. I was showing you guys. Okay, Michulo cooks Wednesday. I cook this, you know, and I put it in, and I and I make it easy for us to know what we're gonna eat. That way, we're not like, oh my god, qué vamos a comer ahora? Like, we know. Okay, yo yo cocino el martes. I usually do Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, I do enough on Tuesday for Wednesday. Uh, Luis cooks it up on the weekend so Sunday I know he's gonna cook something big that way we have leftovers on Monday because I hate cooking on Mondays I just hate it um, and you know just it, it works and it's just like okay having the conversations okay who's gonna cook get quieres hacer all right and it just like makes things way easier on me just because you know porque, porque uh, ultimadamente like Las, las mamás somos las que estamos viendo más cosas y que los niños y que la, so that having that help just makes things way way easy that sounds good so let's make sure that we check in we check in and to the things that we might need the help we might need and just ask you know forget what people are going to think forget what you know how we might get judged within our family within our teams um, we all handled stress differently. We all handle change differently. The workload is just has intensified along with the worries that we have outside of what's going on in the world, whether it be decisions being made over how we should make choices of our bodies to how we decide to run our household or make decisions for the workplace. So whatever it is, make sure you speak up, you communicate, you ask for what you need. It will help at least start create conversation over things or and and move towards you know change and progress but whatever it is you might need make sure you ask for it um and with that we leave you today thank you for tuning in we love that you listen to us and if you have anything you want to share in regards to this topic or anything we talked about in this podcast feel free to contact us you can find us on instagram and facebook at level of latina you can find us on twitter at latina underscore up and if you want to go further into the discussion or uh, have any suggestions for the topic and regarding the topic, you can email us at admin at levelablatina.com. So feel free to reach out to us. Thank you so much again, Mujeres, Irene, and Ceci. Thank you so much for allowing the space for sharing and for being so open. You know. Thank you, Vettel. Thank you. Thank Vettel. you. Thank you, Irene. Thank you, Vettel. This was, this was good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for Let's the space. We all need yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Because for sure. You should be great. Besos, besos, abrazos virtuales. Yeah, so se cuiden and level up, y'all. Besos.